Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 33, Praise Practice. Welcome back to you and to me. We were off last week. I was not a hiatus I was expecting, uh, but I had a good bit of schoolwork to do and was preparing to go out of town. And um, there was just an onslaught of um, information coming from, you know, global events and national events that are heartbreaking and painful. And I needed to just kind of um, turn toward myself a little bit and and listen a lot to other people who are in a better position to talk about what's going on before I came to this space where I talk out loud on purpose on this podcast. So thank you for uh, giving me the grace and space and thank you for being here. So before we say any more about what's going on in the world and what's going on on this episode, a um, couple things. Uh, as always, if you'd like to support this podcast, best ways you can do so are by rating and or leaving a review using whatever platform you are listening on, and that helps other people find the podcast. And if you'd like to share about the podcast to help other people find it, whether that's on social or by word of mouth, I'm also incredibly grateful for that support and just grateful to be here here as per usual. And second thing, and the, the thing we're going to go into our opening ritual of singing the sound of OM one time, OM being the sound of consciousness, the sound of kind of fundamental awareness, the awareness that animates everything in existence, just asking to be in that space of deep awareness by, by singing OM, by starting this practice that we share together with OM. And you can do that by singing it out loud, or you can just listen. If you're coming along for this practice, you might get your body into a comfortable position. You might choose to close your eyes or soften your gaze by gazing down the tip of your nose or at the floor, just kind of dimming the lights on the external senses and turning inward for this moment. And then I'll invite you to take a breath in through your nose if nostril breath is available to you. Exhale through your nose, just clear some space for this practice with your breath. And then we'll take an inhale for one round of OM together. Thank you for joining me for that practice. And now we will go into this week's discussion. And as I alluded to when I opened this podcast, I'm sitting here talking to you in 
an extraordinary time right around this time last week where I, or when I would have been recording this episode, uh, there was news out of Texas that Governor Greg Abbott was ordering um, child welfare services to investigate uh, families that provide gender affirming care for their transgender children. Um, and uh, Vladimir Putin launched an invasion of Ukraine. Um, and I... Like I said earlier, I had to do a lot of listening and learning around these things. Um, I am not a member of the transgender community. I am not a foreign policy expert, nor am I, um, you know, do I have Ukrainian or Russian um, heritage as far as I'm aware, and I'm not as tuned in as others might be to these matters. And so um, I am not the person to be sitting here and offering any kind of wisdom or information on either of those things, uh, but I can't, you know, record this podcast, the first podcast since all of that has happened without explicitly acknowledging it. And even though I am not the person to tell you more about these things, um, there are other people who have the lived experience and expertise to do that. What I will say is, you know, protect trans kids that, um, not, allowing transgender children to be who they are is abusive. It is not abusive to affirm a child's gender identity or anyone's gender identity. And I want to live in a world where all people are, you know, receive the care they need and are affirmed and safe in their gender identity. And I will also say, you know, I completely unequivocally stand with the people of Ukraine. Um, this is a senseless war. Um, I stand with the people of Russia who are, who did not choose this. They are suffering under the autocratic dictatorial rule of Vladimir Putin. Um, and I stand with all victims of needless war because as I've spoken to a little bit on social media and as other people have said very eloquently, um, this is not the only act of war going on right now. It is um, being covered with a lot more emphasis because our systems are biased to be more Eurocentric and this doesn't involve black and brown people. It doesn't involve the global South and so it's getting more attention. Um, it is also getting attention because it is incredibly uh, crucial uh, to global relations and to the world order and it's also true that there is an element of uh, discrimination in the way that this is getting more attention. And so my heart is also with the people of Afghanistan and the Congo and beyond um, and all victims of, of needless war. So I want to be, you know, really explicit about that. And although I'm not going to speak directly to these two painful occurrences in this podcast, this podcast is happening in the context of those things and they do have an effect on, you know, what we'll talk about and how we'll practice today. And I'll, I'll start the kind of quote unquote official discussion of this podcast by kind of noting that this is the 33rd episode of the Awareness Offerings podcast. And 33 feels like a significant number for me. It has for a long time because even though now I consider myself an interfaith spiritual practitioner um, and 
do not ascribe to one faith tradition. I was raised in the Christian tradition and the, in the Christian Methodist church, as I've spoken a little bit about on this podcast. And so 33, whenever I hear it, always kind of dings something for me because uh, the Christ was crucified when he was 33. And I grew up hearing that number in relation to Christ. So when I hear 33, that kind of, it kind of pings something. And um, it was also uh, the age at which my guru, the master teacher, the founder of my my uh, lineage of yoga, um, Majaya Sati Bhagavati, she was 33 years old when she, um, having been doing months of breath work and meditation, had a vision of Christ, and he he came to her and taught her. Uh, she was 33 years old when that happened. Um, and so 33 feels significant for me for a number of reasons, uh, like a sacred number. And we're here on the 33rd episode, and I'm actually recording this episode the day after Ash Wednesday. Um, so I'm recording this the first week of March 2022. Um, at this moment, no matter when you might be listening to it, but at this moment that I'm speaking uh, yesterday was Ash Wednesday, uh, which is a the Christian observance of the beginning of the season of Lent, uh, 40 days of repentance leading up to Easter. And I'll speak more about my understanding of what those things mean in a bit. Um, but I'm feeling kind of the, the, the significance of my Christian roots um, in recording this 33rd episode the day after Ash Wednesday. And that definitely influences uh, what we're going to talk about. Because I found myself yesterday just feeling in chaos. Yesterday was also the new moon and something about yesterday's new moon felt like it was facilitating a lot of chaotic energy, both in my life and and in things I heard from other people that said they were also experiencing that. And there was just, just waves and waves of stuff happening. And I felt like I was just kind of being bombarded and overwhelmed and I felt so busy. And one of the things I do on Wednesdays, which is yesterday for me at this moment, um, is I drive up to north, I drive north of the city to go teach a yoga class. Um, I teach two yoga classes a week um, north of the city. I I live in Decatur, I live near Atlanta, but I still go up north to where I used to live uh, because I am attached to my yoga community up there. So I drive up there twice a week to teach. And so yesterday I was driving up, um, I... You know, I had had to kind of finish a lot of work pretty quickly, put it down and get in the car to make sure I could get to my yoga class. And I was still really feeling the effects of um, busyness, a lot of busyness. And as I was driving, my mom called me uh, because what I usually do is teach my class and then go to my parents' house because they live near that yoga studio north of the city. um, And I go have dinner with them usually when I go up there. Um, So she called me to let me know that she probably wouldn't be home as soon as I got done teaching because she was going to Ash Wednesday service at the the church that my parents go to. Um, And... In talking to her for a little bit, I made the spur of the moment decision to go to Ash Wednesday service. Um, And like I said, I'm an interfaith practitioner. I do not identify as someone who is, you know, solely a Christian, although I very much own my Christian roots. Um, And so it was interesting for me to really feel called to go to the church. 
Um, but my mom and I were talking about, you know, the ritual of Ash Wednesday and being that yesterday was also the new moon, which is a very ritualistic time. It's a new cycle. Many people often use it uh, for new beginnings and intention setting. Um, I felt called to the ritual piece of it. I felt like some kind of ritual would be good for me. And especially because it was feeling abrasive, the energy of the new moon was feeling like so much. I felt like I needed something to really um, just ground me in sacred connection. Uh, and I didn't expect it to come from the Christian church, but my mom called me and, and told me she was going. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go do this here on the new moon. I'm going to go um, get my ashes at the Ash Wednesday service. And you know, there is a part of my brain, and I think I, I assume, although it could be a big assumption, but I assume we all have this part where it's like, I'm feeling busy. I'm feeling overwhelmed. There is still so much to do, and I'm going to make the decision to add another thing to the list. I'm going to decide instead of, you know, just sitting down and doing more of the work I need to do, I'm going to not do it and go decide to do one more thing, go do something else. Um, but something I saw, uh, it was on social media and unfortunately I can't remember who made the post, but it's something I'm learning right now. It's like when we feel like there is too much to do, the practice is actually to stop doing it, to, to do less, to do, um, you know, rather than trying to do more, to get done everything that feels like it needs to be done stop doing, do less, at least for a moment, uh, take a moment to connect and get resourced and supported so that we can eventually come back to all the stuff we have to do, maybe not feeling so chaotic and so fried. And that was the intention for me, you know, deciding to add one more thing to my list of activities yesterday. Um, but it was an activity that I intended to be very purposefully like putting the rest of the stuff down and getting quiet and getting close to God and sacred connection. And so I decided to go to Ash Wednesday service. And like I, like I touched on earlier, Ash Wednesday is um, an observance of the beginning of Lent, which is a period of repentance. And um, I was really struck by the way that my parents' pastor, who is a new pastor at their church, uh, spoke about repentance because, you know, one of the things that I don't typically connect with in the Christian tradition is just the amount of shame. Like there is a, there's a line in one of the readings that you do during Ash Wednesday that talks about how, you know, it's, it's us confessing that we were born in sin. We were corrupted from the moment of conception. Um, and I don't get down with that. I don't get down with that amount of shame. Um, and even the word repentance and this idea of a repentance ritual starting with Ash Wednesday feels like it could carry that, that energy of shame. Um, but my parents' pastor did this really beautiful job of framing it in different terms uh, that were felt much more accessible to me. Because he talked about sin um, as misalignment, just misalignment with the path that we are, are meant to be on. Um, however, you know, he talked about the path that God wants us to be on, but I, I take that as, you know, whatever sacred path is meant for us, however we think of that and however we decide, you know, whatever we decide that means for us. So he said that, you know, sin is, is misalignment. And then he talked about repentance 
And the Greek word for repentance is metanoia. I hope I'm saying that right. Metanoia, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. And it simply means a reorientation. A reorientation. Turning around from whatever we direction we have been walking and choosing to do something different than we did before. Just walking in a different direction and recalibrating our relationship to the sacred and to life. Just a reorientation. And I loved that, especially because it was the new moon. It just so happened that Ash Wednesday this year is the new moon. And the new moon is the beginning of a cycle. It is a reorientation. And so I received that really deeply in my heart and I was really touched by that. And as this Ash Wednesday service you know, went on, um, there was more conversation around this period of 40 days of Lent, of repentance or reorientation. And I'm aware that, you know, um, typically Lent is about not doing something we would usually do, giving something up. I know some people give up chocolate or drinking or sex um, as some kind of abstinence. Um, and that doesn't feel like an aligned practice for me, at least right now and for a number of reasons. Um, but as, as the service was going on and the, the pastor and the officiants were talking about this 40 days, I was struck by how uh, my spiritual teacher, Swami Jayadevi here in Atlanta, will often encourage people to do 40-day practices, to do a, a sadhana or a spiritual practice, one type of practice for 40 days. And that's not the only length of time we can choose to do things. We can do things for a week. We can do things for 108 days. 108 is a sacred number in yoga philosophy. But my teacher has often suggested 40 days as one of the lengths of time we could do spiritual practice. Um, and the idea is that just doing the same practice over and over again, kind of um, it ingrains the effects, the cumulative effects and benefits of that practice in us and helps teach us in a particular way. So as I was at this Ash Wednesday service, listening to people talk about 40 days of Lent, I was struck by the fact that that aligns with how my teacher talks about doing 40-day sadhanas, 40-day spiritual practices. And I have done long-term practices before. I haven't in a while, and I actually tried to start one um, a couple, like a month ago maybe, um, and it just didn't work. There was so much going on, and it just wasn't aligned that it didn't happen. And as I was sitting in church, listening to people talk about the 40 days of Lent, I, and it was, you know, the new moon, I was struck by the fact that, you know, this might be, I might have the, the spiritual support I need now to commit to a 40 day practice. And I can line it up with the practice of Lent, um, and, and, and kind of be in alignment with other people who are doing a practice all over the world. And it might be easier for me to commit to it now. So I, I want that. I decided as I was sitting in church, you know, I want that. I want to do a 40-day practice now. And I was feeling aware that I didn't know what the practice was going to be. You know, I've, I've done you know, a certain, you know, I've done, there's a, there was a time where I did 108 days of a full yoga sequence and I tried to do it every day for 108 days. I've done a practice where I did, you know, two yoga poses. I tried to do the same two yoga poses every day for 40 days. And I didn't really have anything in mind yesterday when I thought about the fact that I wanted to do a 40-day practice. I couldn't think of anything. I was like, well, what do I do? Do I journal? Do I do a breath? What, what do I do? And I was kind of coming up blank. 
Um, and so I just acknowledged that and said, okay, I'm asking for this here on, (laughs) on, at, here at Ash Wednesday service, I'm committing to the fact that I want today to begin a 40 day practice for me, aligning with uh, Lent, the Lent season, the Lenten season, but I don't know what I want to do yet. So I'm, I'm here, I'm committing to it and I'm asking to be guided, you know, and, and typically when I ask, I'm thinking of my spiritual teacher, I'm thinking of my guru, um, but I was in the house of, of Christ. So maybe Jesus also, but I was sitting there in that service asking to be guided. What is, what is my practice? What is my 40 day practice was the question. And it, you know, nothing came up for a while and the service went on. And then toward the end, we stood up to sing a hymn. And it was the same, it was to the same tune as, um, you know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. That same tune, um, but different words. And the, the first line was, um, praise God throughout these 40 days. And we sang it and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> there, there's the message, praise God throughout these 40 days. Uh, that's my, you know, the, the, the line, the, the actual phrase 40 days was right there. So I, it really, I couldn't deny that that was pretty clear instruction. Uh, praise God throughout these 40 days. There was my practice. And from that point, I felt equipped to kind of take it from there because, um, my understanding of praising God is gratitude. And my understanding of God is broader and different than the Judeo-Christian God that we were singing about in that church in that particular moment. Um, But my, or I, I don't know if but is the right word, and my practice of praising God is gratitude. Just being grateful for the beauty, for the moments I get to live for, for whatever, just being grateful for the sake of gratitude is praising God to me or, or praising the sacred, praising spirit, whatever you want to name it as always. Um, if ever I say God or the universe or spirit, you always get to put your words for the sacred in there. That's something I learned from my spiritual teacher. Um, but gratitude is how I understand praise because it's how else like, what better way in my mind is there to glorify the sacred than to just say, look at this, look at this thing in front of me. That's so beautiful or so supportive or so simple or whatever it is. Look at it. Thank you. To me, that's praise. So as soon as I saw praise God throughout these 40 days, I was like, okay, 40 day gratitude practice. So last night was my first day. I, I'm posting it to my Instagram stories uh, as a way of holding myself accountable to make sure I'm actually doing it every day. So I did last night and I've done today. So if you want to find me on Instagram at Lara Tara, you can see my 40 days of gratitude every day. Um, but I've started and I'm going to do 40 days of, of gratitude. And I'm aware that this particular discussion this week um, it's been more storytelling. I haven't really like taken a topic and dissected it and had this intellectual discussion. It's, it's been more of a storytelling format, but the purpose of the story this week is to just describe to you how I arrived at understanding and remembering that gratitude is praise. 
And I'm choosing to take up gratitude as a praise practice and a 40-day sadhana, a 40-day spiritual practice. And of course, it's not lost on me that I am speaking about this and taking up this practice in the context of the world as it is right now, in the context of war and oppression. And I don't think the two are contradictory. I don't think expressing, you know, radical, just joyous gratitude for 40 days in a world that is marked by war and pain, I don't think those two things contradict each other. In fact, I think it's an affirmation of the nature of the human experience because it's always going to be like this. There's always going to be pain and suffering that exists alongside beauty and grace And if we can acknowledge that consciously, we can work with it and we can be present to the pain while also being grateful anyway as an act of radical resistance. And I think that's what I'm doing. So I share this with you and I so appreciate you sitting with me in this practice. If you want to join me in 40 Days of Gratitude, do it. Absolutely. Um, and I'm curious to know what your 40 days of practice might be like if, if the Lenten season is something you observe or if you just feel called to take up any practice. Um, but thank you for the space to share my gratitude practice, my praise practice. And now I'll invite us and, and I will offer us a moment to put it into practice together with our meditation for this week. So this is the moment in the Awareness Offerings podcast where we sit for contemplative practice. If you are doing something that makes it unsafe or just not feasible for you to sit, you might want to pause and come back later. If you're coming along now, I will invite you into a comfortable seated position. As always, you get to sit in any position you need to lengthen your spine. That's all I'm asking for meditation is that you have a long spine because the spine is the center line of your body. It's where your energy moves and where your nervous system lives. So when it is long and open, there is a sense of connection and fluidity that can be supportive in meditation practice. But you can sit, you know, cross-legged on the floor in the kind of classically understood posture. If you do that, I'm going to suggest that you put something under your hips like a blanket or a cushion or a pillow. You don't have to do that though. You could sit with your legs outstretched or your knees bent with your back against the wall or on a chair or on your bed. Just a long spine is the invitation that I'm going to give you. Then as you find this seat and be aware that even though we want to hold the attention of stillness because that can help us find internal stillness in meditation, know that you can take care of your body and adjust your seat as needed throughout this practice. But as you find this seat now, I'm going to invite you to settle in. Maybe by closing your eyes. Maybe softening your gaze, gazing down the tip of your nose or at the floor. Either way, again, just sort of dimming, turning the dimmer down on your external senses so that you can cultivate internal awareness for this practice. If you haven't already, you might begin a practice of breath awareness, watching and listening and feeling as air moves in and out through your nostrils, if nostril breath is available to you today. 
One of my first spiritual teachers, one of my most beloved teachers, Thich Nhat Hanh, Vietnamese Buddhist monk who passed recently, he talks and teaches about how breath awareness brings our mind and body back together so we can feel whole again. Not like we live in our minds in that frenetic and sometimes chaotic energy of thinking that can make us feel separate from our present moment experience. Brings it all back together. So maybe you notice your breath as a way of arriving in yourself. Experiencing the moment from a place of wholeness or even just with the intention of wholeness. As you begin to arrive in the wholeness of your experience, you might notice different parts of that experience. Different parts are what make up the wholeness. So in addition to your breath, you might be feeling your body, physical sensation. You might feel the flavor of the emotions that you're feeling right now, the levels, the texture, the energy. You might even be having thoughts, and I want to ask that you release judgment around having thoughts as you do your meditation practice. Doesn't mean you're meditating wrong. We're not trying to push the thoughts away, just like we don't push the breath away or the body away. The mind is part of the human experience and the experience of wholeness. What we're trying to do is go to a place beyond the mind that is more quiet, still, supportive, and perhaps sacred, that supports our consciousness rather than thinking, our being rather than doing or figuring it out. So as you notice your thoughts as part of this experience right now, You might practice noticing them like you would notice your breath, letting them come and go, just like the inhale comes in and goes out. The idea is just not to grab on to every single thought, to let them move through you, just like sensations and emotions and breath moves through you. Just watching it all, cultivating your present moment awareness here. And then from this place of presence, this container of awareness you've established, we'll go into the intentional practice we'll do this week. This is a gratitude practice. 
a praise practice, praise being gratitude in my conceptualization of it. So for this practice, I'm going to invite you to bring your awareness to the center of your chest. Just a few inches over from your physical heart, this is the spiritual heart, the energetic center of the heart, sometimes called the heart chakra, chakra's energy center, Sanskrit name anahata. And you could bring your awareness there by, you know, feeling the physical space, your chest, your shoulders, feeling the sensation there. You could imagine that your breath moves in through the center of your chest, <clears throat> excuse me, and out through the center of your chest. You could imagine a light at your heart or any other visual. With your closed eyes, you could imagine turning your eyes down and using your heart like a focal point or a drishti. Whatever lands you in your heart, use that and land there. And take a few moments just to sit in the space of your heart, noticing what you feel there, where your mind goes when you ask your awareness to travel to your heart. Just welcoming yourself into the heart space as a space for practice today. And in yoga philosophy, and through the, the yoga philosophy I've been taught by my teachers, I understand that there are layers to the heart. There are certain qualities that each energy center correlates to, and the heart correlates to love. And that's sort of the first layer of the heart, just love. And then going one space deeper, one layer deeper into the heart, compassion. The willingness to understand and love through the pain of other people, the suffering of other people. And then the third layer, and as I've been taught, the deepest layer of the heart is gratitude. Being thankful for the sake of being thankful as a praise practice for every moment that we're alive. And so to nestle ourselves into that deepest layer of the heart's gratitude practice. We'll use gratitude as a mantra, as a sacred sound to align our minds with the consciousness of gratitude rather than constant thinking or stress or whatever else it might be. So as you inhale, just say to yourself, thank you. And as you exhale, say to yourself, thank you. Inhaling, silent mantra, thank you. Exhaling, thank you. Inhaling, thank you. Exhaling, thank you. And continue with your breath, 
That'll be our practice for the next several minutes together. And it might be that as you inhale and exhale, thank you. You're aware that there's something you're thankful for specifically. There might be some specific target of your gratitude today and that's okay. That's great. That's part of the practice. But you also might just be saying thank you to say thank you. Gratitude for the sake of gratitude is what empowers us to live as praise, to live every moment praising. So we inhale, thank you. We exhale, thank you. Breathing it in and out at the heart space, the energetic seat of gratitude. And you might notice what physical or energetic effects the practice of gratitude has. You might feel it at your heart, in your body, in your breath. You know what you feel, so I won't tell you what to feel. But just notice the energetic effects of gratitude as a tool, as a practice. Inhaling, thank you. Exhaling, thank you. Inhaling, thank you. Exhaling, thank you. Inhaling, thank you. Exhaling, thank you. And if you notice that your mind takes you away from the practice, again, not a bad or wrong thing, just not where we're putting our focus right now. You can let the thoughts move through you just like the breath does and then reorient, reorient your focus to inhaling, thank you at the heart. Exhaling, thank you at the heart. If repentance is just reorientation, 
Maybe repentance is just coming back to our breath. Wherever you are in the breath, I'll invite you to find your exhale. Then together, one more time, let's inhale, thank you, into the heart. Exhale, thank you, out of the heart. And then I'll invite you to circle your palms to touch. Bring your thumbs to the center of your chest. Pranam, a gesture of centering at the heart. Signaging the gratitude that lives in your heart and the practice of gratitude as praise in every moment. When you're, re when you're ready, you can release your hands. Begin to blink your eyes open. Perhaps move around, just coming out of the formal space of meditation. I'll invite you to continue your presence practice though, just noticing how you feel now knowing that the qualities and the posture of gratitude that you've cultivated here now moves into the way that you move through the world. And as I've been talking a lot about over the last week or so, I do believe practice matters to a world like the one we're living in because if we live in gratitude, that has an effect on how our relationships are and then that affects other people's relationships and then entire communities and ultimately I do believe it affects the state of the world um, and I know that the world is a complex place and it doesn't it's not as simple or Pollyanna as just be grateful but I don't think that means that it doesn't matter to practice gratitude so thank you for practicing gratitude with me Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>